What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m., so that means it's time for me, your host, Jacob Goins. I have Daniel Locke in studio with me again this week. Daniel, welcome back. Thank you, Jacob. So glad to be here. It's always fun. I'm so hyped. Good stuff today. Well, let's have a good show, why don't we? We have some news coming from the baseball world as of Tuesday night. The Atlanta Braves are your 2021 Woo! World Series champions. What let's do you think about it? Let's go. Man, I've been waiting my whole life to be wearing this shirt and this hat. So worth the wait. What an incredible atmosphere, dude, at Tumors. Holy, man. Oh, what a time. Yeah, the, the atmosphere on Tuesday night at Tumors Corner was definitely something that I will cherish for a very long time. We were downtown watching the Braves win game six over the Houston Astros in a dominant fashion, seven to nothing. So they just they put it away. They didn't let the Astros have any chance. And we ran straight from the restaurant to Tumors Corner where it was just a, in a fantastic scene. I honestly feel like my runtime from Little Italy's to Tumors Corner could win an Olympic medal. <laughs> like I was booking it down there. Yeah, and it was it was really cool to see. And there's some people that think, you know, we should leave the rolling of the trees and everything at Tumors Corner to just Auburn victories. But in my opinion, I think rolling Tumors is when there's a significant victory for a team that's supported in the area. And everybody that was there was an Atlanta Braves fan. You know what I'm saying? It right. wasn't it wasn't like it was an Alabama national championship and somebody went and rolled Tumors no, Corner. No. This is Atlanta Braves U. If we were to ask everyone who their favorite MLB team was, I guarantee you you would get eight Braves answers for every of other team. If at the lowest. Yeah. You'd probably for sure. get more. For sure, exactly. And that's that's why I feel like Everybody rushing to tumors and rolling tumors. I think it was a it was a good thing. It was cool to see. It was a fun atmosphere. And so for that situation, I think it's okay. And I also think that rolling tumors corner is something that significant. You know, it it symbolizes. That's the word I was looking for. It symbolizes a major victory in sports and in life, and something that you're able to celebrate. And so I think it was a good thing that Auburn fans and Braves fans for sure were able to go and do so. That the Atlanta Braves. 2021 World Series champions, first World Series title since 1995. I just wanted to touch on that. So that will be the last of baseball that we talk about for a while here on Moonlight Madness. What a shame. Yeah, what a shame. I love baseball. It was a great postseason, awesome to watch. But the Atlanta Braves, 2021 World Series champions. Looking forward to April. Absolutely. Opening day can't come soon enough. So with that, we're going to jump into the big three. So, starting off number one tonight on the Big Three, the college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday night, right before the Braves game, as a matter of fact. And so, the new rankings came out, and Daniel, there was a lot of criticism, if right. you will. This is some bogus. I want to know another way to put it. These are trash. I don't know if they were intoxicated when they made these or what, but these are god-awful. Yeah, there was a lot of criticism of what the committee did, and there was also just a lot of speculation coming into the first playoff rankings of what the committee was going to do. And so when you look at it, the AP that was going into it 
you had Georgia at one, Cincinnati at two, right? So those were the two teams at the top of the board. But the first official playoff rankings then came out, and they just shook everything up. They had Georgia at number one, Alabama at number two, Michigan State at number three, Oregon at number four, Ohio State at five, and Cincinnati at number six. Daniel, what did you think about it? That I just – Cincinnati has done so much this year. And, like, they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium. Like, does that not matter? Who's number 10 in the new rankings. Right. That's incredibly hard to do. Let's see. They they beat Memphis on the road. They beat Tulane, who Oklahoma struggled with, on the road. Oklahoma got them at home in Norman. I just don't understand the logic. Everyone knows that Cincy deserves to be in that top four. And Cincinnati is one of the few undefeated teams in college football. And if you look at the top four right now, they took Alabama, who has a loss already on their resume. They lost, of course, on the road to an unranked Texas A&M team at the time. So they lucked with a backup quarterback, mind you. So they put Alabama at number two because they still feel they're the second best team in the country. There was no doubt about it that Georgia was going to be number one. There's nobody arguing that. But as much as I wish I could, I can't. Right. Nobody can argue that right now. But Alabama being at two is just kind of, you know, it, it rubs people the wrong way because non-Alabama fans feel that Alabama can do no wrong in the eyes of the committee. Right. It honestly does feel that way since they get the nod and the benefit of the doubt way more often than anyone else does because it seems like anyone else, like if Georgia were to lose a game, they're going to bury them. And I think – Two, with the top four, you have Michigan State at three and Oregon at four. You know, I don't mind those. Um, I like Michigan State. I think they've done great things this season. They beat a top ten Michigan team last weekend. They're undefeated, and right now they're on a path to win the Big Ten. But they've still got some work to do. They still have to play Ohio State, who's number five in the rankings right now. Yeah, one thing I want to bring up, like you've got a win over number 24 at the time, Miami and you've got a win over Michigan, that's it. Like, that's that's good, but come on now. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are kind of in the same boat as you are as why Michigan State rather than Cincinnati or why Oregon rather than Ohio State or something like that. But another good thing to look at is Oklahoma, who's number eight in the country. They're undefeated as well. Correct, but – the one thing about, I think Oklahoma is not misplaced in this. Like, they've got that win against Texas, who was 21 at the time. They haven't played another ranked team at any point this year. You struggle with Kansas. You struggle with Tulane. You struggle with Nebraska. You dang near lose to West Virginia. These aren't the Will Greer days anymore. West Virginia is awful. Like, Oklahoma is so overrated. I don't even think they deserve eight. Wake Forest should be over Oklahoma. I haven't seen anything from Oklahoma that really makes them above their ranking right now any, either. I, I completely agree with They're what you're saying. They're on this week. If they want to prove me wrong, go beat Baylor and Waco next week. Absolutely. So, again, to round out the rankings, Georgia 1, Bama 2, Michigan State 3, Oregon 4. There's your top four. Those are the ones that are in the playoff right now. On the outside looking in, Ohio State 5, Cincinnati 6, Michigan number 7, Oklahoma 8, Wake Forest, the only undefeated team in the ACC at 9, and Notre Dame at number 10. You have Oklahoma State at 11, Baylor 12, and Auburn 13. 
and Texas A&M at 14, just kind of give you some of the ones outside of the top 10. And we'll talk about Auburn being 13 here in a little bit once we take a look around Auburn Athletics. We'll talk a little bit about Auburn and their ranking and is it too high, too low, and the progress that they can make. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think the biggest thing here was where was where was the committee going to put Cincinnati? That was the biggest question coming in to Tuesday night for the college football playoff rankings because Cincinnati has done everything right. They've beaten the teams on their schedule. They've beaten them pretty handily from for the most part, and that's all they can do. They're undefeated, and they're playing the next team on their schedule. And so being a non-Power 5 team, being one of the biggest group of five teams, Everybody was wondering, where is the playoff committee going to put Cincinnati? Are they going to respect Cincinnati and put them in the original top four, or are they going to leave them out and give them room to get into the top four? Yeah, and they definitely left them out, but they definitely deserve that four spot. I think that Georgia at one is good. Alabama at two, okay. Like, Alabama's Alabama. You know they're really good. And you know that they could beat probably anyone else on here except for Georgia on their best day, on their worst day, God. Um, Michigan State, no. I think that it should be Cincy at, okay, I think it should be Georgia at one, Alabama at two, Oregon at three, Cincy at four, um, Ohio State at five, and then I think Michigan State should be six. So you're okay with Bama at number two? I am. And you also won Ohio State who has one loss to Oregon, you want them above the undefeated Michigan State right now? Correct. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure. And then, would you still want Michigan at seven? Yeah, I think that's fine. So you want those three Big Ten teams, five, six, and seven right there. Right. I think that Michigan deserves it over Oklahoma at this point. Okay. Okay. I agree. I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe not. But when it comes to the top four and with Cincinnati being at six, here's the argument that I've been making that I think – the committee may have taken. Okay, I'm not 100% sure, but here's the the path and the thinking and the logic that I think the college football playoff committee took when trying to rank Cincinnati. They put him at number six, okay? Cincinnati's undefeated. As long as they don't screw up or get hit by the injury bug or COVID, they're going to win out, they're going to be undefeated, and they're going to win their conference championship. And the teams above them, Cincinnati, Oregon, Michigan State, Bama, and Georgia, those teams are going to lose. Not all of them might lose. Georgia may not lose. Bama may not lose. But Michigan State and Ohio State still have to play each other. Right, and there can only be one winner, and I think it's going to be Ohio State. Right, exactly. And Oregon still has to battle through the Pac-12. Alabama and Georgia, if they went out, they have to play each other, so one of those teams is going to lose. Alabama could very well have to play a top-10 team at Jordan-Hare Stadium. And we will talk about that as well. And that's one thing that I think the committee probably took into consideration was let's not put Cincinnati in there yet, but let's watch how this season plays out because the, the five teams above Cincinnati, three of them are going to lose. It's guaranteed. So, or excuse me, Two of those are going to lose. Out of the five teams above Cincinnati, two of those teams are guaranteed to lose at least another game. So that's what I'm thinking the playoff committee was thinking about, what their thought process was. Instead of putting Cincinnati in originally and having to leave them there, they're going to bring Cincinnati out 
continue to let Cincinnati prove themselves against their teams and their schedule, and then try to put them in there at the end. Now, when we get down to December and the final playoff rankings, are they going to put them in there? I don't know. What do you think? If they have won out and have won the American Conference and they are left out of the playoff, I think that next year we will see a 12-team playoff. And if they don't get in there this year, then a team will never get in. And there's some people already saying that it will not happen. There were people saying that, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying this is what some people have given their take on. They said if Cincinnati didn't get put in that original four on Tuesday night, that a group of five team is never going to make it. So they said that was huge for them that they didn't make it in the original rankings. You know, I did say like probably a month, a month and a half ago, that I didn't see the committee letting Cincinnati in. But that's because at the time I didn't buy Cincinnati. Now I do. And them going in the Notre Dame stadium and telling Notre Dame, like, no, we're going to win this ball game, like that's that really proves a lot to me. So I think they're real. And I'll tell you what, here's my take on it. If Cincinnati wants to play with the big dogs, and they're trying to, they're going to be in the Big 12 in a few seasons, and they're really going to find out. But if Cincinnati wants to prove themselves this season, they need to go and they need to dominate their remaining teams and the remaining teams on their schedule. And once they, if they do get that opportunity in the playoff, they better not screw it up. The Cincinnati Bearcats better show up and they better play some, some really, really good football because if they get put in there and then they just get destroyed by an Alabama or an Oregon or somebody like that or an Ohio State, if they go in there and get embarrassed, it's going to be over for that program. So if Cincinnati wants to play with the big dogs and play in the Big 12 in the next few seasons and they won in the playoff this year, go out and prove it and go out and earn it. Yeah, I totally agree. And that that's a big thing. Like You don't you don't want to be like Notre Dame where both times Notre Dame's gotten the nod, they've gotten destroyed in the playoff. So you don't want to develop that reputation right now. You want to go and you want to win. Exactly, and as we know, there's nothing more dangerous in November than what? A peaking and th- and thriving and a momentous Auburn team. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. I but, can't wait. <laughs> but that's going to wrap up the first topic in the Big Three tonight. You're listening to Moonlight Madness on WGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Jacob Goins, and this is Moonlight Madness every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. I've got Daniel Locke in studio with me, and we're rolling on through the Big Three. So, number two on the Big Three tonight, we're going to go over some NBA standings as the NBA season is underway. We are about eight or nine games into the regular season for NBA, and it's off to a hot start so far, Daniel. It is. Um, a lot of teams... The Miami Heat playing awesome basketball, 6-1, and one, leading the East as of now. On the other side, the Utah Jazz are 6-1. and one. Golden State is 6-1. and one. Like, oh, this is awesome. This is giving me some early, like, 2015's vibes other than Utah. But a Heat-Warriors finals, that would be a lot of fun, I think. Obviously, that's June. Way too early to think about that now. You've just got to focus on the immediate, the team that's next up in front of you. But, man... The NBA is fun again, and I love it. So as you mentioned, in the Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat currently on top of the standings at 6-1, followed by the Philadelphia 76ers and the Chicago Bulls, both sitting at 6-2. 
followed by the Toronto Raptors at 6-3, with the Brooklyn Nets at 5-3, tied with Washington and New York all at 5-3. So the East is kind of wide open right now. Again, it's still early, but we're seeing some, some dominance early from some surprise teams, and then we're also seeing some struggles from some of the star-studded teams in the East. So if you take Brooklyn... Yeah, in Boston, like yeah, exactly. So if you look at Brooklyn, they're five and three with Kevin Durant, James Harden, Blake Griffin, all those guys. So they're five and three. And then if you take a look, like you said, the Boston Celtics, they're three and five this season so far through eight games. Yeah, and it's been disappointing. I've watched three games so far. Two I watched a little over half of. One I sat down and watched the full thing. And then there was another one that I just watched like kind of the last few minutes of. I catch them when I can, but boy, they're making it hard this year. They need to learn to pass the basketball. Yeah, the few games that I've seen on TV, either just flipping through or the few games that I've actually sat down and watched of the Celtics, it seems like they're just not clicking offensively. It seems like they're not running their plays as they should be. They're not The ball movement is not what it should be. And I've always said that's the key to a good basketball team is ball movement. And I feel like that's just – that's on the players. And then there was that incident with Marcus Smart during the game a few nights ago, and I believe the players had like an emotional players-only meeting. So a lot of things going on in Boston right now. Not really sure what's up. Yeah, uh, I don't either. He was complaining how I like. Well, I was complaining about how um Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown need to learn how to pass. And I ultimately agree. Like I love Jason Tatum and I love Jalen Brown, but they can't do it all. You're not going to make every shot. Like you're not going to be open for every shot. You got to get the ball out every now and again. Right. And so if you look back at the top of the Eastern Conference again, it's the Miami Heat on top. But then you have the Philadelphia 76ers and the Chicago Bulls both sitting at six and two. So the 76ers looking like they've moved on from Ben Simmons and they don't even care whether he's playing or not because it seems like as of right now they don't need him. And then the Chicago Bulls have started out hot this season with Lonzo Ball. Oh yeah, and you gotta love it. I I really really love the Ben Simmons list 76ers. I find them easier to cheer for despite them being one of my rivals, but I like them playing good basketball. I love when the Chicago team's good. The Blackhawks are down. The Bears have been buried for a while now. Both of their or the White Sox had a pretty good year, made the ALDS. The Cubs, mm, no comment. But it's just it's nice to see the Windy City competing and stuff. That's a good staple town for sports, particularly the Bulls. That's the heart and soul of Chicago sports. There would be nothing better. I, I can't wait for my first Bulls game in the United Center. I hope that happens soon. Absolutely. And when you keep looking down the Eastern Conference standings, you see the Brooklyn Nets at 5-3. and three. That's a team that's going to figure it out. I think they're figuring it out as they go on through their first eight or ten games. And I, I watched the game last night where they won pretty handily, and I it was the post-game interview with Kevin Durant, and he said, we're just kind of figuring this thing out as we go. He said, we're trying to figure out the offense and the defense and just trying to figure out our communication. James Harden's trying to get back to his full strength after an ACL injury. And both of those guys, plus the Brooklyn Nets all together, are just trying to learn each other again and get back in the groove of playing basketball. So I'm not too worried about the Brooklyn Nets. I really do think they're going to get back on track. But a team that I'm really keeping my eye on in the East is the New York Knicks. They're 5-3, and three, but they've been playing very competitive basketball. They lost last night, but that's a team that's gritty and they're hungry, and I think they're going to have a lot of good things to come in the future. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. These Knicks, they're they are so so scrappy out there, and they play hard basketball. They play the Patrick Ewing style basketball, which I love. I love that the Knicks seem to be on the come up. They're a team that I've always just kind of. They've never really been there since my time being a basketball fan. They're on the way back, and they're a big they're a big thing for basketball. And I really hope that they this success isn't temporary. I would love to see them in the playoffs as well as the Bulls, and I just think that could be really fun. And I think they're real. Yeah, and R.J. Barrett is playing fantastic basketball. He has really taken a step forward so far this season. He's been the leader in the games that I've watched of the New York Knicks in the first few games. He has really been the guy that they've gone to. He's averaging something over 20 points a game so far in the season. So look for him to really be, you know, really be the guy for the New York Knicks, one of the go-to guys. And, you know, he's still young, he's still, and he's got so much talent there for the Knicks. So I, I look for them to compete in the Eastern Conference, possibly make the playoffs, and, you know, we'll see what they can do. But as we switch to the Western Conference, you see the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors, as you said before, are both tied at the top at 6-1. and one. Uh, The Utah Jazz, a team that has been consistently good over the last few seasons, but the Golden State Warriors are the surprise so far this season. And it's not because they don't have talent. It's just because everybody's been hurt, but yet role players are stepping up along with the superstar, Steph Curry. Yeah, man, they're making it happen. They've got that next-man-up mentality, and that is so underrated in sports. If you have depth on your team, you can do anything. And one thing about the, the Warriors right now is Stephen Curry is playing to his MVP-style level, as he was a few seasons ago. And then also Jordan Poole. We talked about him a few weeks ago. He, I think he's going to be my comeback player of the year. And so far, he's doing it for me, man. He is playing elite basketball. He's playing out of his mind right now. He's scoring at will. He plays good defense. And he can run the point whether Steph's on or off the floor. And so Jordan Poole out of Michigan, his second year in the NBA, he is playing unreal basketball right now. And what's even more exciting for the Golden State Warriors is Klay Thompson is getting closer and closer and closer to coming back and playing for this team. You know, last night, Daniel, he was warming up in a full uniform, running out and taking catch-and-shoot threes. Really? He was. It was awesome to see. It was so cool. So he's so close to coming back. And so you have a, a Golden State Warriors team that's 6-1 and one without Klay Thompson. So think about that. If you're going to have Steph and Klay back on the floor together, this team is dangerous, along with Draymond Green, the consistent player for the Warriors, who just kind of does a little bit of everything. So the Warriors are dangerous, man. I think they're back to where they used to be, and I think they're going to be real dangerous out in the West. I think they are too, and I love it. It's so exciting. I... I need to look when they play the Hawks because I might break that old Steph Curry jersey out of my closet if it still fits and go cheer on that team. And some more shocking things in the West right now. The Lakers sit at 5-3, and three, so they're above 500. LeBron is out for the next couple of weeks. So look for the Lakers to see what they can do without LeBron. And I think the biggest shock so far is the L.A. Clippers. They're 3-4. and four. Of course, Kawhi Leonard not playing right now due to injury, so it's just Paul George. But Paul George has been averaging like 30 points a game, but yet the Clippers are still 3-4. and four. They're under 500, but yet the West is so close that they're only three games back. And I know it's early, and you can't really talk about games back and stuff like that. But if you look at the bottom of the West right now, the sixth seed is Denver. 
The seventh seed is Sacramento Kings. The eighth seed is the Phoenix Suns at three and three, and then the Clippers at three and four. So some of the bigger teams, the Clippers, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Blazers, all those teams have struggled out of the gate so far. Yeah, and I think that's typical. There's always growing pains. The Suns are probably hung over from the finals a little bit. Um, you just got to keep moving. You got to do what you can. You just got to focus on you, you lose one. You got to win one. You just don't let your games – it doesn't matter at this point. You're right. But at the same time, you don't want to let it get too out of hand. No doubt about it. So that's going to wrap up number two of the big three about the NBA standings. We're going to roll right into number three and the final topic of the big three. So this week in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, of my Green Bay Packers, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19. Now, why this was interesting was because Rodgers had told the Packers and the league that he had been vaccinated, and it turns out he was not vaccinated. He said he was, and then he tested positive for COVID-19. They went back, and he said that he was immunized when asked about it weeks ago, but never actually confirmed that he was vaccinated and so what had happened apparently and supposedly was that he did him and his wife had done some other form of treatment for COVID-19 that they felt was safer and better for them rather than getting the vaccine and then he ended up testing positive for COVID this week and now he is out versus the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday and then the league and the Packers had to go back and look at it and they were like no you can't you can't get that instead of taking the vaccine. Of course, the NFL having the mandate that players must be vaccinated. So, Daniel, what do you think about all this? It's crazy. And unfortunately for sports, I feel like COVID has left its fingerprint all over it forever. Um, it's going to be years before we're not hearing about vaccine or mandate. I really can't wait until you don't hear the word mandate anymore. It's just that I hate that word. But, you know, it's really unfortunate I personally stand for individual choice, but that that's I'm not going to get political with it. I think that Rodgers should be treated like anyone else in this circumstance. Maybe he should have been a little more, bit, bit more up front. That part's on him, but it should ultimately be his choice and his freedom to pick what he wants to do. And I think what's interesting about this is, you know, he is one of the top players in the NFL he is leading a Packers team that is six and 6-1 on the season, and they're coming into a huge game against the Kansas City Chiefs, a Chiefs team that is not as good as they used to be, but it's still a big game. We were playing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and so now the Packers have already been dealing with COVID-19 issues. They were without all three of their starting wide receivers last week, without their defensive quarter coordinator last week, and now... They're starting to get those guys back, get their players and coaches back, and then, boom, they get hit with it again with Aaron Rodgers being out for the game against the Chiefs. So now it's going to be Jordan Love, the backup quarterback, will be starting on Sunday for the Packers. And they actually flew in Blake Bortles, who resigned with the Packers this week as an emergency backup quarterback, basically, in case Jordan Love goes out with an injury. But let's hope that that does not happen. So just kind of an interesting story about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers this week. He had said, you know, I'm immunized, and not, but he never confirmed that he was vaccinated or not. And then he gets tested positive for COVID-19. Turns out he was not vaccinated. So we will see where Rodgers and the league and the Packers themselves all go 
once he is healthy again, testing negative, and back with the team. We'll see what direction that they take this, but it'll be interesting to keep our eye on. But that was one of the things that broke in the NFL news this past week. So that's going to wrap up the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics, talk about Auburn's upcoming game against Texas A&M, touch on Auburn soccer in the SEC tournament this evening, and an update on Auburn volleyball. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. You're listening to Moonlight Madness, and that is every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. I've got Daniel Locke in studio with me again tonight. We are rolling on into the show. And so now what we're going to do is we're going to take a look around Auburn athletics. We're going to touch on some Auburn football, some Auburn soccer, and some Auburn volleyball. So to jump straight into it, Auburn football is number 12 in the, or excuse me, number 13 in the new college football playoff rankings that we had talked about at the beginning of the show. So Auburn ranked number 13 in the first official college football rankings. They take on Number 14, Texas. Is that right, Daniel? Number We're 13 and they are 14? Correct. Okay. I just want to make sure. So we are 13 and Texas A&M is 14. So Auburn will travel to Texas A&M this Saturday for a huge top 15 matchup on the road. Yet again, another top 15 team for Auburn this season. I'm excited, man. I really think we get it done. Auburn has they have a phenomenal history at Kyle Field. I don't think they've lost there. That's right. So since Texas A&M has joined the SEC back in 2012, Auburn has never lost, knock on wood, has never lost at Kyle Field, so at Texas A&M. So we will see how Auburn is able to fare on the road. Auburn's playing really good football right now. They looked really good last week against Ole Miss, top 10 team. Auburn was able to get that victory 31-20 to here at home. And Auburn looked really good, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the fourth quarter where Auburn locked down on defense. Ole Miss didn't score at all in that fourth quarter. And Auburn just got it done. They got it done on the defensive side. They scored 31 points, 28 of those in the first half, which was insane. They had four touchdowns in the first half. And it kind of stalled in the second half, but overall got the victory. 31-20, 31-20, to 20. so now they can take that momentum into yet again another top 15 matchup at Texas A&M this weekend. So, Daniel, I want to ask you, what are you looking for out of Auburn this weekend at Texas A&M? Well, once again, you've got to start fast. Um, I really like how they've been using the run game more in the past couple games. That needs to continue. I love Bo Nix. I, I think he's good. I think he's really improved. But he doesn't need to throw 35-something times a game. He only needs to throw about 20, 25 tops when you've got the running back room that we do. Tank Bigsby, Sean Shivers, Jarquez Hunter, there's no reason. You've got three great horses run the ball down their throat. Texas A&M doesn't have much of a run defense anyway. So I think that this is going to be our week to really put some points on the board with our ground attack. And I want to shout out Auburn's offensive line, who has really stepped up this season. Even since the beginning up till now, they have really stepped it up. They've really helped out Bo Nix. They've helped out our running game. And overall, I just think the offensive line has just extremely improved over this season and definitely improved from years past. And that just makes it easier on Bo Nix. It makes it easier on the running backs. 
and it makes it easier on the on the entire offense when the offensive line is playing well and playing good then that opens up the holes for the running backs it gives Bo Nix time to set his feet and do multiple reads and look and find the find the open receiver and throw a good pass instead of running for his life and trying to make miracle scramble plays and we've seen him not have to do that in the past few games and so shout out to the Auburn offensive line they're getting their job done they're they're doing what they got to do and then of course Bo Nix he's playing so much better than what we've seen in the past so Bo Nix is playing better the offensive line is playing better and the running backs like you said they're studs all three of them and so I think this week at Texas A&M I think Auburn needs to dominate on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think so too. Be fast, be strong. Um, We're going to need another big game from the defense. They did phenomenal last Saturday. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it rolling. Um, We sleep in January. Absolutely. And I've been saying it all week, and I'm going to stick with it. My bold prediction is that Auburn goes to Kyle Field, and they win by double digits. That's my prediction this week. I think – Auburn goes and puts it all together. I think we get it done. I think we have this thing handled by the end of the third quarter. I think Brian Harson's going to have this team ready. I think our team's going to be ready to go, fired up, 2.30 game on CBS. And I just think we're improving. I think we're the better football team. or Auburn's the better football team, okay? I think Auburn's the better team. I think Brian Harson has them ready. Brian Harson's the better coach. And I think this team gets it done by double digits on Saturday at Texas A&M. So keep that in mind. That's my prediction. What do you think, Daniel? I like it, and I love when Auburn's the underdog. That's when that's when you see the magic happen, when Auburn's the underdog. I think they get it done. We talked about it earlier. There's nothing more dangerous in November than a thriving Auburn team, an Auburn team that controls its own destiny in the West right now. They control their own destiny. If they have this game, they have – so they have this Saturday against Texas A&M. They have next Saturday – at home versus Mississippi State, which they gave us the 11 a.m. kickoff on that. I'm upset about that. Yeah, uh-uh. Come on. Ranked versus ranked. <laughs> exactly. And then the next week, the next week they have South Carolina on the road, and then Auburn comes home for the Iron Bowl, which if Auburn and Bama went out up to the Iron Bowl, which I project that they both do, that game will determine the SEC West. And the winner of that game will go on to the SEC championship game to play Georgia, who has already claimed their spot in the SEC championship game from the East. So look for that. But Auburn's got work to do. We, Auburn cannot sweat and just brush away Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and South Carolina. They can't do it because if they do, they'll lose. So Auburn's the better team in those games, but Auburn's got to go in, get it done, handle business, and let's come into Jordan-Hare Stadium the Saturday after Thanksgiving for a showdown with Alabama. I agree 100%. And you're not going to believe this. I just looked it up. Guess who they gave that 6 o'clock slot in two weeks to? The one next week? Yeah. No, following week when we play Mississippi State at 11. Oh, when we play Mississippi State at 11? Kentucky the... and Vanderbilt are playing Oh, I six. saw that. I did see that. And then the 4 o'clock slate was Missouri, right? Right. Ugh, Come on. That's terrible. So, anyway – so I will be going to that game. I'll be walking in the stadium at 10:30 for that game. But but that's again, that's a game next week that Auburn cannot brush away because no, Auburn can't. and 11 a.m. kickoffs, we've talked about it before. Auburn and 11 a.m. kickoffs historically does not play well. So 
But let's worry about that game next week. Auburn's got a huge top 15 matchup for football on the road at Texas A&M this Saturday, 2.30 on CBS. Huge game for Auburn. And I think they get it done by double digits. That's my prediction. I like it, War Eagle. So now Auburn soccer, we'll touch on that. Auburn soccer won their first game of the SEC tournament that is going on this week down in Orange Beach, Alabama. They played South Carolina on Tuesday night. It was the fourth-seeded South Carolina Gamecocks versus the five-seeded Auburn Tigers. Auburn got the upset victory in that game to move on to play Arkansas tonight where Auburn kind of controlled its own destiny in soccer as well. Auburn was looking to beat a top four, top three team in Arkansas. Arkansas is, I think they're ranked third in the country in soccer. And so that's a game that Auburn lost at home a few weeks ago in a close match. You called that one, didn't you, Daniel? I did. It was a lot of fun. And so Auburn played Arkansas in soccer in the SEC tournament tonight in the semifinal. They ended up losing that game 5-1, to one, but it was a lot closer than that. Until the very end, Auburn was down 1-0 at the half. They came out and tied it up early in the second. And then Arkansas was at 2-1. And that game was 2-1 until about the last 10 minutes. And I think Auburn just ran out of gas. Auburn also had two major injuries. Uh, It was Anna Haddock and Emmy Craven were both hurt in the middle of the game. So they did not play in the majority of the second half. So Auburn was down a lot of star players, a lot of starters. And overall, Arkansas just kind of just kind of put it on them there at the end. So Arkansas beat Auburn soccer 5-1. to one. I believe Auburn will still make the NCAA tournament, but they are out of the running to host the first round of the NCAA tournament game. I will update you on my Twitter account when Auburn is scheduled to play in the NCAA tournament. You can follow me at Goins2Jacob. That's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, J-A-C-O-B. And for Auburn volleyball, Their next two matches are at Texas A&M. That is tonight and tomorrow. I have the score of the Auburn volleyball game at Texas A&M for you. That is currently Texas A&M is up. Let's see. Getting it pulled up for you. So Auburn is up two sets to one there in Texas A&M. And A&M is up early in the fourth set, two to zero. So Auburn volleyball is 12-9 and nine overall this season, 4-7 and seven in the SEC. And again, they are currently up 2-1 to one on Texas A&M in the sets. I like this Auburn team a lot. I think that they could potentially get it done um, against A&M here tonight. I think that they could very well get it done in the future to improve their seeding in the SEC tournament. I really think that this Auburn team is not as bad as a lot of people seem to think. I think that they're really competitive. I think that they're scrappy. I think that we could potentially see this Auburn team make some noise in the SEC tournament. Yeah, and we've talked about it before how this Auburn volleyball team has really improved this season under second-year coach Brent Crouch. He has come in and just done amazing things. He's come in and brought some graduate transfers with him. And this is an Auburn team that is scrappy. They play They play really hard. They play really tough. I've gotten the the chance to call a few of the games here on WGL and I tell you what this team plays hard and they play they play all three four and five sets no matter how long it goes and one thing that's weird about this team is they've had this trend this season where they go out and they sweep a team and then the very next night they get swept and so I'm not sure how that 
is going down. I'm not really sure what the mentality is there and how that is slipping through for them. But that won't be the case tonight. They're up 2-1 to one on Texas A&M. So we'll see if Auburn can pull out that victory for volleyball on the road to improve their SEC record to 5-7 and seven and try to get their overall record to 13-9. and nine. And just seeing an Auburn volleyball team have a winning record at all is something that I've not seen in my four years here at Auburn. So it's really cool to see. Yeah, they've struggled the past couple years. I know last year it took them forever and a half to win a set. So just seeing them have some breath of success is awesome. I hope, I really hope they can get it done. Well, that's going to do it for Around Auburn Athletics. When we come back here on Moonlight Madness, we're going to go into the last segment. I'm going to give you some live score updates from around the country in basketball, hockey, and football. And then we will do everybody's favorite, what are the odds? You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on WGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins, and we are in the final segment of the show on this lovely Thursday evening, November 4th. I've got Daniel Locke in here with me tonight. And so right now I'm going to give you a live score update across football, basketball, and hockey. So the Thursday night football game tonight in the NFL, it's the New York Jets and the Indianapolis Colts. The Jets coming off a big win over the Cincinnati Bengals last week. That game is currently tied at seven apiece with three and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. In the NBA, we have multiple games going on tonight. So some scores for that. The Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Detroit Pistons. That The 76ers are up 85-80 to 80 in the third quarter. The Hawks and Jazz, the Hawks are up 40-39 to 39 at the start of the third quarter. The Celtics and Heat at halftime. The Celtics all over the Miami Heat, 51-33. to 33. And two more games to go on tonight. The Rockets taking on the Suns and the Thunder taking on the Lakers at 9 and 9.30. And the NHL, multiple games going off tonight in the National Hockey League. At the end of the second, the Boston Bruins all over the Detroit Red Wings, 3-0. to zero. Big wins. Let's go. <laughs> Your Boston team's doing pretty good tonight, Daniel. At the end of the second period, the Tampa Bay Lightning on top of the Toronto Maple Leafs, 1-0. to zero. At the end of the second, the New York Islanders all over the Montreal Canadiens, 5-0. End of the second period, Golden, the Vegas Golden Knights up 3-1 on the Ottawa Senators. At the end of the second period, high-scoring game here, the Florida Panthers on top of the Washington Capitals, 4-3. And at the end of the second period, wow, all these games at the end of their periods. At the end of the second period, the Pittsburgh Penguins on top of the Philadelphia Flyers, 2-1. Three more games to go off tonight in the National Hockey League. The Dallas Stars visiting the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres visiting the Seattle Kraken. And the Seattle, or the St. Louis Blues visiting the San Jose Sharks. And I believe there are two college football games going on tonight as well. So I'm going to give you your scores on that before we jump into what are the odds. So the college football scores for tonight, Georgia State on top of Louisiana, 3 to nothing. That is the only game on in college football. Uh, Georgia State's scary. Yeah, some Auburn fans would say that. <laughs> so there is your live score update for the night. So we're going to jump into what are the odds. We have about seven or eight minutes left of the show. So what are the odds if you're new here? I run through all of the odds for the upcoming college and NFL games this weekend. 
And how it works is I run through the spreads, I run through the over-under, and the money line for all of the college and NFL games this weekend. I give you my official picks, what I think you should look for, some trends that I like to keep up with, and my overall record. So, last week I went 3-3. Three and three. I had six overall picks, three in college, three in the NFL. I went 3-3 three and three last week, and so my overall record is 14-8. and eight. So I have three picks tonight in college and two for the NFL. So we will start with college, and then we will do the NFL. And so how the odds work if you're new here, I try to explain it the best way that I can. So when a team, we will take the Thursday night game, Georgia State and Louisiana for college football. So Louisiana is 13.5 point favorite, so they are minus 13.5. So what that means is the betters in Vegas believe that Louisiana is going to win by 14 points or more. And so what that means is if you put money on that, on minus 13.5, Louisiana has to win by 14 points or more for you to win. If you put money on Georgia State, who is plus 13.5, they can win or lose by up to 13 points, and you still win money. Now the money line, Louisiana is minus 550, and Georgia State is plus 400. So what that means is Louisiana is minus 550, That's how much money you have to put to win $100. It's based off of a $100 system. So if Louisiana's minus $550, you have to put $550 to win $100. And so the opposite is for the plus, the underdog. So Georgia State is the underdog at plus $400. If you put $100 on them and they win, you would win $400. And they're up 3-0 right now. So if you put money on that, you're looking all right. And then the over-under for the game is what the betters in Vegas believe the total amount of points will be scored by both teams. For that game, it's 53.5, so you either bet on the over, you think they're going to score 54 points or more, or you put money on the under, they're going to score 53 points or less. So now that I've explained that, we're going to run through college and then NFL betting lines for the weekend. I'll give you my official picks, and I'll ask Daniel on some of the things he wants to talk about as well. So, Starting with tomorrow night, we have some Friday night college football action. Virginia Tech and Boston College, a little ACC matchup. Virginia Tech is currently a three-point favorite over Boston College, and the over-under there is 47-and-a-half. Utah and Stanford out in the Pac-12. Utah a nine-point favorite as of right now over Stanford, and the total there is 54. Now moving into Saturday, Army and Air Force, always a good game between the academy schools. Air Force is a minus two and a half favorite. I like Air Force here. Got a buddy that used to wrestle out in Air Force. They're a good team. They run. They all run that triple option stuff. You know how it is in the military. But I like Air Force minus two and a half. Not an official pick, but I do like Air Force minus two and a half. One of the SEC matchups. Georgia is a thirty-eight point favorite over Missouri. Daniel, what do you think? I, I think they cover. You think they cover it? I've seen a lot of people actually picking Georgia to cover that spread, which is so crazy. But Georgia's that good, and Missouri is that bad. So I'm going to stay away from it. If you really just want to Hail Mary, put, I mean, you could put money on Missouri plus 38 because, my God, that's a lot of points to cover. But Georgia may, they might just cover it. I think that they will. So some more games in college, Ohio State and Nebraska over in the Big Ten. Ohio State is 14.5-point favorites with a total of 66 points. That's a lot. I'm not sure if that will get up to that, but I think Ohio State will probably get it done. Ole Miss and Liberty this weekend. Ole Miss is a 9.5-point favorite 
as of right now, and the over-under is 67, and I'm actually making that my first official pick of the night. I like Ole Miss minus 9.5 against Liberty this weekend. I think they win by 10 or plus points. So give me Ole Miss minus 9.5 as my first official pick of the night. Tulsa and Cincinnati. Cincinnati outside looking in of the college football playoff right now, ranked number six in the country. They are 23-point favorites over Tulsa. Penn State and Maryland in the Big Ten. Penn State is currently 10-point favorites over Maryland. Try to get you another good one here. Michigan State and Purdue. Michigan State in the top four of the initial college football playoff rankings. They are minus three-point favorites over Purdue. I'm actually making that my second official pick of the night. I like Michigan State minus three at home versus Purdue. I think they get it done. I think they win easily. I'm not sure about the total, though. It's 53.5. I think that's a lot for that matchup, but I like Michigan State minus three, Daniel. You know, I believe in the power of the world's largest bass drum. Call me stupid. It's happened before. I'm taking Purdue on the upset. I think they win by three. So do you want Purdue Moneyline at plus 130, or do you just want them at plus three? I'll just take them at plus three. All right, so they got three points to swing with. So you're going to take Purdue plus three. I like Michigan State minus three against Purdue. And give you a couple more in college this weekend. My third and final official pick for college, Auburn and Texas A&M. Texas A&M is currently a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Auburn with the money line at minus 200 and a total of 49-and-a-half. I'm taking Auburn money line plus 170. I think they went outright. I think they win by double digits. I like Auburn money line this weekend at plus 170. As underdogs, give it to me. I'm going to take that too. And LSU and Alabama this weekend in the SEC. LSU, of course, struggling as of late. Ed Orgeron is on his way out the door. Alabama is 28.5-point favorites over LSU. That may be one of the biggest spreads in that matchup that I've ever seen. Yeah, you have to put 10000 down on Alabama to win $100. Hey, but if you really believe in LSU, if you put 100 down, you win two grand. Yeah, and you're speaking to the money line. Alabama is currently a minus 10,000 money line, which means they're going to win that game. As you said, that's $10,000 to win 100. So not really what you're looking for there if you're trying to make some money. So we are getting close to time. I'm going to run over to the NFL real quick, try to give you some, some of the odds on the NFL slate this week, and I have one official pick in the NFL. So for tonight's Thursday night game, the Jets and Colts, that's currently tied at 7. The Colts are actually favored by 10 points, and the over-under was 45. So the total's looking good right now, and the spread as for the Colts, it's even right now. So, again, the Colts were favored by 10 tonight against the Jets. Now moving on to Sunday, the Texans and the Dolphins, the battle of some pretty bad teams. The Dolphins are 5.5-point favorites with 46.5 as the total. The Broncos and the Cowboys the Cowboys are 10-point favorites on the road at Denver this weekend with a total of 49-and-a-half. The Vikings and the Ravens. The Ravens are currently 6-point favorites over the Vikings with a total of 50 points. I kind of like that, but the last time I thought about taking the Ravens with that many points, they scored like 10. So <laughs> maybe stay away from that one. Patriots and Panthers. Patriots are 3-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Carolina Panthers with a low total of 41 points. The Bills and the Jaguars, here's our first double-digit favorite of the weekend. Buffalo is 14.5-point favorites over a struggling Jacksonville team. Buffalo is just getting it done right now. 
I'm not sure about the spread, but, I mean, Buffalo's going to win that game with a total of 48.5. Buffalo is just running through people as of right now. The Browns and the Bengals, Cincinnati, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Cleveland. Joe Burrow had a big win, and then they blew it against the, the Jets last week. So, But the betters think that the Bengals bounce back. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Cleveland Browns. The Raiders and the Giants, Las Vegas is three-and-a-half – or, excuse me, three-point favorites over the Giants despite all of the news coming out of Las Vegas this week. The Falcons and the Saints, big NFC South rivalry matchup. The Saints are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Atlanta. I'll give you a couple more. The Packers at the Chiefs. The Packers without Aaron Rodgers, of course, this week. The Packers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites, but I don't care. That's my fourth official pick. Give me the Packers plus seven-and-a-half against the Chiefs without Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. I want it. And, you know, that line moved. The Packers were three-point favorites, and then once Aaron Rodgers was deemed out for that game, it moved all the way to the other end to seven-and-a-half-point underdogs. But I don't care. I want Packers plus seven-and-a-half. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Packers plus seven-and-a-half as well. I think that's a good pick. I think that Jordan Love is going to be a ooh, my opportunity, and I think he's going to play really well. Well, that's going to do it here for Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can listen to my show every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m., or you can find wherever you get your podcast. Just search Moonlight Madness. My name is Jacob Goins. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me tonight. War Eagle. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.